So uh, I've mentioned this before, but I taught algebra. This is an Algebra 2 textbook. I didn't use this book when I taught in 1985, 86, 87, but this book was out there. Um, I couldn't find a copy. I couldn't kind of picture, I couldn't find the cover of the book I used. It's, I'm sure it's way, uh, I'm sure it's in the bottom of, a, bottom of a trash pit now or something. But anyway, so I, I taught Algebra 2. I taught Algebra 2. I taught Geometry and other things. But let me just ask you, when you've, and, and some of you may have had math anxieties, um, but here's what I didn't do, and I'm saying this for reasons. I didn't just the first day of class, I didn't pass out all the algebra books to all the kids in the rows. I didn't pass the algebra book, books out and then say to them, you've got your books now, the final exam is in three months, I'll see you then. All right? I didn't do that. Because we understand, especially with, with math and maybe other topics too, the book is one thing, but you, you need, I think most of us say we needed somebody, a teacher, to help us understand things, even though all you need to know is in the book, right? All you need to know is in the book. So why can't, why can't teachers just give, uh, my son's a high school junior, why can't he just get his book and they say, take the test three months from now and we'll see if you passed? Well, we understand that even though the information is all there and the facts are all there, the book is not, a, we need someone else other outside of us to help us learn what's in there. That's why we teach that way. So in, in the same way, we're going to look at today is that, that you know, we, we have this, uh, we have the Bible and sometimes we treat it like it's a book and a textbook or whatever and it's like it's all here, you just need to know it. But we miss the reality that we need to be taught. And I don't mean teachers like me. I mean teachers like the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? And how do we um, transition from just looking at the Bible as a textbook to looking at the Bible as a, uh, as a way of life the Holy Spirit's teaching us? And how do we invite the Holy Spirit to teach us anyway? What does that look like? So we're going to look at, we're going to look at some of that this week. And I'll tell you up front, my challenge is going to be if you don't have a habit of reading the Bible on a regular basis, and this is not necessarily a New Year's resolution thing, if you're not in a habit, I'm just going to encourage you to, to start one. It doesn't have to be large. Um, I think, was it last year, Kathy, you read through the Bible in a year? So that's a large goal. Some people get knocked down by that kind of a goal. Maybe it's just a few minutes a day. Maybe it's just a little here and there. But do something. I'm going to encourage you, and, and we'll look at as the why here in a second. So I, I did this, I started this last week, I'll do it in the next couple weeks, from John 13 to 17. It's all the story about Jesus, uh, his last night, the night when he was betrayed. All right, so he's, he's eating with his disciples, it's the Passover meal. Um, if you have a chance, if you just want to read, read, John 13 to 17 is all about that night. It's kind of fascinating, we just read it all as one, all the way through. But so he's eating with them, uh, and I said this last week, he, this is when they had the Passover meal. They really don't know what's coming. To them, it's just another Passover meal. They know there's something maybe different about Jesus' intensity, but it's just another meal. And uh, he washes their feet. That was new. That was unique. He had never done that before. He washed their feet. He talks about somebody's going to betray me. This is all in the, in the conversation during the meal time. Talks about somebody's going to betray me. Uh, he indicates uh, something about who's, you know, who's going to be, and then Judas gets up and walks out. 
The disciples still don't know that they were talking that Judas was going to betray. So all this kind of miniature drama is kind of unfolding. Um, he talks to them about the Holy Spirit. He talks to them about. He must have said. I, I was going through this this week. He must have said, remember what I told you in those four chapters, five chapters. He must have said that five or six times. Remember I told you this. Remember I told you this. Now I'm telling you this because remember I told you this. So he's reminding them repeatedly all the things he said. And even says, remember I told you God's word. And he's talking about all this. And I'm sure they're trying to process what's going on. And he's done, he talks about joy, the Holy Spirit, and it's kind of like his theology all in one big basket. But then John 17, he actually stops his conversation, and then he prays. The Bible just says at this point, he looked up to heaven and he prayed. And I said that in, those, in that culture, they'd look up and they'd pray like this, most likely. So they're all sitting around the table, and Jesus says, starts praying. And John 17 is a really long prayer. I mean, not really long, but it's it's a whole chapter. Um, and there are some things Jesus says in that prayer that I realize they're really, really, really good models for us how to pray for one another. Um, last week, we talked about the two statements. Go to the next slide. Oh, do I have one that has uh, on the bottom of it? Yeah, this last week we talked about he made two, two different phrases in the prayer. We're about our spiritual safety he, he one part of the prayer was and again he's praying this while they're all sitting right there he says father protect them by the power of your name keep them safe for the evil one so we can assume too that the things he's praying are really really important to him so if you look at the prayer of jesus in john 17 apart from the lord's prayer that he gave them uh an earlier part of his ministry with them apart from the lord's prayer how he prayed for them in John 17 may be one of the best models for us about how to pray for each other. You know, we pray for, we pray for each other. That we, you know, I pray for my kids or my wife or friends or neighbors. God, would you protect them from the evil one? Because we're acknowledging there's something else going on than just life. There's, there's a spiritual battle going on. So that was last week, the idea that he protect them from the, by the power of your name, keep them safe from the evil one. That's, those are, but now this, this week we're going to look at another kind of uh, pair of statements he makes in terms of praying for them. So let's go to the next slide. There's a text. So again, this is part of his prayer, and he's saying, Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in the world so they would be filled with my joy. All right? I told them a lot of things. And again, the object of his telling them was joy. It wasn't just they would be knowledgeable people and good, and good knowledgeable Christians who can win Bible events. All right, but I would I told them many things this they'd be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. All right. He he didn't he wasn't necessarily just talking about I showed them the Old Testament. He wasn't saying I pulled out all these scrolls and I was showing them all what the Bible was all about because of course the New Testament wasn't written yet. But he was saying I've told them God all that you've said. Of course he had to refer to the Old Testament, but mostly he was he was saying, I've told them all that you've said to tell me, to tell them. Consistent with your care. I've told them all about you, God. I've given them your word. So he wasn't just saying, I gave them the Bible, that's enough for them. But it's, it's giving them your word. He said, I'm, I've told them about you, God. I've told them everything you said for me to say. Jesus even said earlier in, the, in this meal, 
God, everything I've told you, I've only told you because the Father told me to tell you. So it's this sense of the, God's word to them was simply revelation of who God is. That's what Jesus said, I've told them that. I've told them, you've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, and this was from last week, keep them safe from the evil one. All right, now we go to the next one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Now I go to the next one where I highlight um, those two phrases, and those are on the little card I gave you. So, again, they're, I'm trying to... I'm trying to help us all kind of have kind of short reminders of how to pray for somebody so jesus says this this is what he says make them holy by your truth that's phrase one we're going to look at he prays for these disciples these men who are sitting around the table with him god make them holy by your truth what did he mean by that what did they understand that he meant by that but the second thing that he says is related to that is teach them your word which is truth all right so let's look at one at a time so first we'll look at this one Make them, holy, uh, make them holy by your truth. So Jesus' prayer for them and his prayer for us, that he's, may they be, make them holy. God, make them holy. Uh, make them holy by your truth. And holy, um, I think I talked about this, maybe it was a month or so ago. We tend to think holy, or ha holy has this kind of stuffy connotation of, uh, you know, boring and bland and stuffy. But holy, when you unpack that word through Scripture, and I'll put it on this next slide here, holy really means distinct, pure, and powerful. Make them those kind of people. Make them distinctly different. Make them absolutely pure, but make them powerful. Because anytime the word holy, whether it's describing God or people in the Bible, it includes those connotations. So Jesus isn't just asking. He's not praying for his disciples or us that we become really religious people. He's praying for us that we become really distinct, unique to the rest of the world, not for the sake of being odd, but unique for the sake of that we're God's people, really pure, and because of that, really powerful. And, and, and this holy, the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of us. So Jesus was praying for them, make them holy, but then it's by your truth key phrase here because if you were to ask um, people you know hey here's the question I've, I've asked people this for according to your religion how do you become a really good person well everybody has an answer to that I've, I've, I've talked to a Buddhist monk and asked him that question I talked to a Muslim leader and asked him that question I talked to a Mormon leader and asked him that question and you're going to get all kinds of answers about what it means to become a good person. In other words, how do you become distinct and pure and powerful? But Jesus says, no, it's, it's by your truth, God. And you may, have had, you may have friends you know or people you've talked to that will say, well, your truth is different than my truth. And so I can live by my truth, but Alan Meyer can live by his truth, and we may just have different truths. But Jesus makes it very clear that the pathway that he... The pathway to holiness, to be distinct, pure, and powerful, is only by the truth that how God says things. What God says about uh, your heart, 
your money, your sexuality, uh, your habits, everything. Whatever God says is what's true. And Jesus makes it very clear, even if you read earlier in this passage, he talks about, I told them these things. I remind, I told them, God, who you were. So it's, it's by God's truth. It's not by uh, what the culture around us is telling us. And again, I've said this before. You, other people can live by their own truth, but if you're going to live the biblical way in the way of Jesus, it's by the way of God's truth. And God's truth is very clear. It's a capital T. It's very clear about who we are as people, our need for the Holy Spirit, and issues like forgiveness or uh, relationships, how you spend your money, all kinds of things. There's God, the Bible helps us understand those things. So that was, that was his first part of his prayer for them was make them holy by your truth. So that's a way you could pray not only for yourself that way, you could pray for your spouse, your children, your parents, your neighbor. Because if Jesus prayed that way for us, it's probably a good model to pray for people. Right? So he says, make them holy by your truth. Then the next phrase, he says this, teach them your word, which is truth. And here I, here I go back to my teaching analogy of the algebra book. God, Jesus is, in, is clearly implying, not implying, he's just making a statement, that we can't know, we can't really understand the Bible we can't understand what God's saying to us apart from God's intervention. So whenever we read the Bible, it's black print on white page, at least most of them are. But I cannot understand it in the way that I need to understand it apart from the supernatural intervention of God being my teacher. And Jesus made clear in this passage earlier that it's the Holy Spirit. So I can read the Bible, but I have to be taught. And I'm not talking about, and Jesus isn't referring to here, human teachers. He's clearly saying, God, you need to teach these people, help them understand your word. And he, again, he said in uh, chapter 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit having that role. He's the one that helps us understand, not just the Bible, but the word of God, how he is, who he is. And of course, the Bible is our primary guide for that. It's our only guide for that. But he says, teach them your word, which is truth. This word truth is a big word for Jesus as he's talking to his disciples, as he's praying for them. That It's important that there is one standard by which you can be the kind of person you've always wanted to be. There's one standard, and the Bible tells us that standard. But again, I'm, what I'm saying is it's not the Bible. You know, and I know a lot of people who know the Bible well, but they don't live a life in the spirit and character of Jesus. They know the Bible well, but they're very unforgiving and they're very tight with their money or things. They're not generous or whatever. So I, I'm saying we need to know the Bible. You need to read the Bible, but we read the Bible so we can be taught by God about how to live the kind of life we've always wanted to live. Jesus, many, many times throughout the Gospels, but especially in this, pas this group of passages, chapter 13 to 17, Jesus links this kind of teaching with the end result of joy and peace. Joy and peace are the end result of people who are taught the word, who, who embody this in their lives, and trust it is the truth. So again, back to the original application is, I'm just going to encourage you to um, 
if nothing else, as a habit, I want to encourage you to find some time to do something regular in the Bible. Like I said, my wife did the Bible in a year. I think most of you listen to on, on uh, tape, not tape, but a phone or whatever. So maybe that's the way. I have a I have a app on my phone called uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's a Bible app, but it's the real U version. And every morning at 6:45, it flash, flashes up the verse of the day. All right, not always, but often I'll read that verse, open up, then I'll read the whole chapter surrounding that verse. I just want to know what's and I just it just it's a, it's a it's a habit that's been good for me to do. And I, you know, some of you have your own habits. But you don't need to have some large goal. Just start a small habit. We, I mean, you have your phone in front of you all the time anyway. Find something on your phone that has like some Bible reading. And again, not Bible reading for the sake of checking off the box. I read the Bible today. I, when I grew up, I was in an environment spiritually, the church I was in, it was good in a lot of ways. But at times it felt like we read the Bible so we could check the Bible box off for that day. And it, it took me a while in my young adulthood to kind of transition to, no, I read the Bible because I want to understand what God's saying to me. It's hugely different. Read the Bible to check off the box. I feel good about my spiritual life today. Versus, I want to read the Bible because I want to see what God's saying to me. I want to understand what he's saying to me. So when Jesus says, God, make them holy by your truth. Make them distinct and pure and powerful. Teach them your word with this, tr with this truth. He's saying those, those things are kind of intertwined. The pathway to be a distinct, pure, and powerful per person has to run through the Bible. So there, there are things you might read. There are, and you sometimes, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named uh, Oswald Chambers. You may have heard of him. He's written a lot of books called, he's, he's dead. He's he wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. He wrote a lot of spiritual devotional books. He was a chaplain for the British military during World War I. But at one time in his life, he was a theology professor like in his late 20s. But one of the things he wrote in his journal, which was always a comfort to me, and you might think it odd when I tell you what he said, but one of the things he wrote in his journal one time was, he said, I find the Bible to be the, one of the most this period of my life, I want the Bible to be one of the most boring, uninteresting books I've ever read. And when I read that, I thought, wait a minute, he's teaching theology. But he was just basically being honest. I, I, I can't figure it out. But he was basically saying that to say, and God, I, and then he said later in his journal, I, I want to understand it. I, I don't always get it. Sometimes I read the Bible, and he said, sometimes I feel like I got, it, I got a hold of the wrong end of the stick. It's like I'm I'm reading the Bible, and I feel like I'm reading it upside down, and I don't understand what I'm supposed to be learning from it, and I've read it, but I'm done, so I don't know what to do. But behind that, he then said, but God, I want to know. I want to understand. Teach me. And you invite God to teach you. He will teach you. You, you invite God to remind you of things that he said or remind you of things Jesus said. He will remind you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus even said to the disciples, the, the role of the Holy Spirit, he's going to remind you of everything I ever said. So if you're open to the Jesus, to, to the Holy Spirit being your teacher, Holy, you're open to God teaching you his word, he will teach you. Um, but if your objective is simply to read it and check it off, 
um, and not be open to instruction. That's different, but you have to be open to instruction. I, um, I, I told you a story once where I was, I was in an argument with my brother, my older brother. We were arguing about uh, who could have the original copy of a newspaper article and who had to have the Xerox copy. All right, you can, yes, say it's very trivial, very trite, very silly, all right? But we were arguing about, I wanted the original, he wanted the original. It was like stupid, the article said the same words on both. And I was so mad at him, and I can't remember, I think I got the article, but I don't know, I think I got the original, I don't know. But I was so mad at him, and then that, that day I was reading, I'd been that time, I had, my habit was to read a proverb every day. So. Of, of the month, based on, you know, the fifth month, day of the month, you read the fifth proverb. So I don't know what day it was, I haven't gone back, and I don't remember exactly what, which proverb it was, but that proverb for the day was, the opening line was, pride breeds quarrels. I'm just like, I was still in the anger of this argument, this quarrel I had with my brother, and I felt like what God was saying right away, well, but you got to deal with your pride in that situation. Because the God was teaching me from his word out of a habit that I had. I didn't plan ahead to have an argument that day, and I didn't plan ahead for that day to have a passage where Jesus says pride is the root of most of our quarrels with people. But it was good for me to be exposed in that way. God was teaching me. But he can't teach you unless you have some kind of a habit. So I'm just going to encourage it again. Some kind of a habit being in the Bible some kind of habit of being aware and knowing and learning so God can teach you. So you can be made distinct and pure and powerful. So that you can have the joy and peace in your life that right now seems elusive to a lot of us. All right? So we're not reading the Bible to check off a box. We're reading a Bible to become distinct, pure, and powerful people who are full of joy and peace. That's why we do it. Um, we don't do it to win in you know, quiz teams or Bible categories on Jeopardy. We don't do it for that reason. We do it because we want to see change in our life. So Jesus then said this, and all this is how the passage closes. He says, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. So he just said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is the truth. Then he says, I'm going to make myself a sacrifice so they can be holy by your truth. Because, because his sacrifice his death and resurrection, we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us who then becomes the source of the teacher for the truth. So Jesus is talking about that. And then I, I mentioned this last week too, and we'll finish with this um, from Romans. Just a reminder that Christ died for us, was raised to life for us. He's sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, and he pleads for us. So this very prayer, the prayer of Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your words of truth. Jesus is still praying this for Alan Meyer. He's praying this for, you know, Mike Kalb. He prays this for all of us. He's praying for us to be made holy by truth. He's praying for us to be taught. So uh, both those ways... You can pray for it. I'm going to encourage you. That's why I'm print, I print these on these cards, not so you have like accessible sermon notes for the day. But maybe for, the, maybe for the week you put it somewhere. And when you think about people you care about or people want to pray for, just maybe pray those real short phrases. Um, God, keep, make them holy by your truth. 
execution and reward. And I, some of you will be getting postcards. I, you know, I send postcards. My postcard for this month is the one that uh, is the um, teach them your, or make them holy by your truth, or teach them your word. I can't remember which one I used. But my prayer for all of you has been uh, that the Bible would become new and fresh for all of us. That we would feel, we, we'd read and start learning and seeing things that God's showing us. That's my prayer for us. So uh, as we get ready to take communion, go ahead and get your communion cups and those wafers out. And uh, again, the reminder that Christ died for us, he was raised for life, he pleads for us. And so over and over in this passage, he's telling the disciples, remember what I told you, remember what I told you. So in, in the whole idea of communion, do this in remembrance of me, remember me. Remember all the words Jesus said. Remember what he said to us, all the things he said we should do and could do. So let me pray and then we'll take. Jesus, we're grateful that you gave your life. Uh, you, the scripture says in many places you died, you resurrected. And it wasn't simply to fulfill prophecy. It was because by doing so you opened up this whole new way. The Bible calls it a new and living way for us to have a relationship with God where we can be taught, we can, be, we can learn, we can grow. We can become people full of peace and joy. That's who we want to be. And Jesus, we're grateful that you and you alone opened up the pathway to be distinct, pure, powerful, joyful, peaceful people. And we're grateful for that. And we ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.